Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, Provincial Affairs reporter Emma Graney, and this is the Kenny Kids and a Crossing edition. It is Friday, November 3rd, 2017, and I have a few guests with me today, and we're going to do a quick rotation out too. It's going to be oh so fun, like a big barn dance. Uh, education reporter Janet French. Good morning. How are you? Uh, ready to barn dance. Excellent. Uh, Paula Simon, city columnist, how are you this morning? I'm ready to do si do Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's really rolling with this. I like that a lot. Thanks, guys. And... <laughs> <laughs> Provincial first columnist, <laughs> Graham Thompson. Uh, two-stepping Thompson. Uh, two-stepping Thompson. I wasn't expecting you to come on board so quickly and eagerly with that, Graham. Thank you. You well, looked on it. Who, who doesn't barn dance? Me? Here in Alberta, we do the Thompson two-step. <laughs> <laughs> so it has been a chaotic beginning to the fall session. We've had, oh, it's been a long couple of weeks. Let me tell you that for, for free. Uh, we have a new leader of the United Conservative Party. It's, it's hard to believe this is like, all, all of one week. I mean, oh, I know. Figuring out what we were going to talk about this week was uh, was tough. Um, we've had some layoffs in that office. We've had a floor crossing. We've got a party wanting to be a real party now. So we're going to talk about all that, and we're also going to talk about a new piece of legislation which was passed yesterday in the house. Which is why Janet is here. How Not are passed. You? Introduced. Sorry, introduced in the house. Yeah, first Correct. reading. Yeah, it wasn't passed just yet. No, Emma, jumping. There, the gun. there may be some debate. Well, yeah. When <laughs> when there's a majority government, I'm sure it will be. But you're right, not yet. And I'm sure yeah. that the uh, opposition parties will have something to say about it. So, mm. Janet, let's jump right in. What was introduced in the House yesterday? It was Bill 24. You're and holding it in your I hand. Am, I am. It took me all day to get a freaking copy of it. So. <laughs> Bill 24, an act to support gay-straight alliances. So... There's been some heat on Education Minister David Egan for a couple of years now to try and strengthen Bill 10, which was passed by the former PC government. That old bill uh, created it, created a rule so that if any student asks for a gay-straight alliance in schools, uh, that the school was supposed to allow them to create one and also appoint an advisor to oversee the club. The problem was that... Um, the wording of the original legislation left some opening for interpretations and some would say loopholes. And so what the government finally came sort of came clean about yesterday was that there were school boards and superintendents who were finding ways to dance around this by delaying uh, these requests for student groups for so long that they never actually got formed or students. Um, they just sort of hoping <laughs> the students, student students would graduate, graduate yeah. and just move on before they ever actually got around to striking the GSA, huh. GSA being Gay Straight Alliance. <clears throat> and so what uh, Bill 24 closes several loopholes that the government perceives. Uh, one of them is that it strengthens the language around um, forming a GSA. Mm-hmm. So it says the principal must immediately grant permission and ah. must in a timely fashion find somebody, appoint somebody to uh, allow this group to go ahead and meet. Not five years. Not five years. Kids to graduate. Kid goes on to university. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, there was also a, a, a strange, and I don't know if it was on purpose or, um, or just a, an oops, but uh, the initial requirement for public schools and charter schools to have these codes of conduct explaining like you can't bully someone because they're gay, uh, that was never a requirement of private schools. And now, if this bill passes, it really? will be. Yeah, oh, that, that was not an oversight. 
Okay. Well, I wasn't there for the debate. <laughs> I, yeah. I, believe me, Graham and I were there for the Bill Ten debate. That was not. That was not an oops. Okay. That, oh. was, that was not. A, that was not a bug. That was a feature. Yes. We were, now we were expecting this piece of legislation, Janet. It's been talked. You know, talked about for quite some time. Was there anything in there that was surprising you? Surprising to you? Um, yes, but details? first I want to say there was one more important piece of oh, it. Oh, sorry. We, sorry. This, this jumping ahead again, just like jo- passing so the bill. So anxious, Emma. Jeez, keep your pants on. Okay. Uh, so uh, the other important piece is that. Uh, there was some concern that after Jason Kenney's remarks that mm, maybe we should leave it up to schools to decide when to tell parents if a kid is in a GSA or not. Uh, David Egan was quite worked up about this and said, we are putting it in law. No, schools cannot tell what parents when their kid is in a GSA. And to be honest, the, the conditions under which a school could do that right now are pretty limited. But his argument is that uh, the debate about it created a lot of uncertainty. And then some kids felt like they shouldn't go to a GSA because there mm. was this chance that they might be outed. Um, and their argument is that the kids who need the GSA the most are the ones who would be the most afraid of being right. having it be disclosed to their family that they were going to the GSA. Because perhaps they're not getting, if they are gay, perhaps they're not getting support that at they their, need or require at their yeah. home. Right. Well, and of course, the, the thing that always bugs me about this is that statistically, I think most kids who belong to GSAs aren't actually gay. The whole point of it is it's not a gay club. It's a gay straight alliance. And many of the students who join are straight kids who want to support their friends, who want to support, who you know, their who want to be good allies. So just because your kid joins a GSA, you don't have to flip out. Lots of kids who join GSAs are there because they care about social justice and they care about their friends. And, you know, if, you, if you're going to tell parents every five minutes if their kids join a club, uh, I mean, and, and single out this one, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like when I joined the chess club and I didn't want people to know about it and I didn't tell anyone. Well, the thing is... <laughs> um, it's not as if the clubs are secret. So the kids are going to know who's in the clubs. And, you know, kids are going to tell their parents, and the parents could tell other parents. So the kids are going to get outed one way or the other, it seems. Like this, to me, is more a symbolic move by the government than actually guaranteeing a child will have privacy. Janet, did it seem symbolic? Mm, depends who you ask. I'm going <laughs> to dodge that one. <laughs> I I, I'm not supposed to have an opinion. Okay, but, so yeah. what in here was a surprise to you? Uh, well, there is one piece that is a bit of a surprise. I notice you've highlighted things. I have there. highlighted things because, nerd alert. Um, <laughs> and that is um, a piece that talks about, there's more language about uh, the protections for school staff in here, which is sort of, they tend to be secondary in this conversation. Everybody's concerned about the kids and that's that's great. Right. But there are also... Um, staff who maybe if they work for a religious school or a Catholic school board might not feel comfortable being openly gay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they actually want to modify one of the sections um, of the of the code of conduct and, um, and the policies. Uh, every school has to have a policy uh, explaining how they're going to protect LGBTQ people in their environment. And so what it says is that they must, policies must affirm the rights as provided for in the Alberta Human Rights Act and the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms of, of each staff member employed by the board and each student enrolled in the school operated by the board. This could have implications for Catholic school boards, oh, I think, yeah. because there are some there are some school boards, like even Edmonton Catholic has a policy in their handbook that you have to be a Catholic to be employed 
by the school board. So and not if you can't discriminate but, but, but based li- on religion. Uh, but also not just Catholic, but living in a, an approved Catholic way. Right. So, I mean, fish on Fridays, that kind of thing. Well, I mean, you could be somebody with a same-sex inclination, as the Catholic board likes to put it, and work for a Catholic school if you're celibate. But if you're living in a same-sex relationship, I think the, I think many Catholic school boards would say, you can't teach in our school division. Um, and I think they would feel that they are quite justified, given the constitutional protections that Catholic school boards have in the Alberta Act and in, the, in, in Canada's Constitution. So I think this is yet another moment in which uh, the validity of Catholic education in this province is going to come under even more intense scrutiny. And I want to talk about the political implications mm-hmm. of this because it, obviously <laughs> we're just waiting for this uh, debate in the House. Graham, what's going to happen Well, here? this is the NDP in some ways setting a trap for or pushing the uh, UCP and Jason Kenney into a corner. Uh, this is them saying, look, you know, Kenny has talked about uh, potentially outing uh, students who join GSAs. The NDP is setting a trap and by through this bill by saying, we'll make this illegal. Okay, then, guys, then and start fighting us on this. Mm. Start fighting us in the House that you want, in a sense, to have these kids outed. And of course, the UCP won't phrase it that way, but this is very much the NDP trying to hang a label around Jason Kenney's neck before he even becomes an MLA. And they're using his his quotes from his history on uh, social uh, conservative issues, and they're pushing it now into the legislature, into right into the face of Albertans. Albertans haven't really been paying attention to politics. They don't until an election comes up. And you're seeing right now in the House, during question period, the NDP mentioning Jason Kenney all the time in their questions and their answers all the time about Jason Kenney will cut 20% of health funding. What would that mean to the Minister of Health? He'll cut the carbon (laughs) tax and then Calgary won't get the green line. Yeah, so so they're mentioning Jason Kenney all the time, but they they know that um, they can... uh, he's more vulnerable on social social issues and so they're pushing this forward to force the UCP into a corner to then have to defend their position on gay straight alliance. And, right, well, and, they, and they don't seem to be being pushed. They seem to be leaping into this tar pit uh, because, you know, Jason Kenney was on social media uh, yesterday talking about how, you know, what, what will this mean for five-year-olds? And I thought, I I don't think there are that many kindergarten GSAs. <laughs> I have you spent a lot of time with five-year-olds. Five-year-olds, um, you know, they like to take their clothes off and play in the sand table. Um, <laughs> and who among us? I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> but, you know, uh, so he's trying to make it look, I mean, he, he he's trying to whip up this kind of hysteria that I know that there are some people who've talked about having gay-straight alliances in in elementary schools, but that's pretty uncommon. And the whole point of the GSA is that it has to be student instigated. And I'm guessing there are a lot, not a lot of five-year-olds who are going to the principal to ask for a GSA. So, I mean, but but that's the rhetoric he's choosing to use. They're the socialists. They're coming for your children. They're going to make your children gay. And he also, his response that he sent out, Janet, you got this in an email. The people who are covering it got this uh, email from Jason Kenney saying, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to comment on it until I've read it. But shame on the NDP for creating this, for making a this a wedge issue. issue. Yeah. That's, the, that's the, the word he used. When I when this was introduced in the House yesterday, and I tweeted about Cause, this. Because protecting children is a wedge issue. <laughs> 
Um, when David Egan got up to introduce his piece of legislation and then, you know, did his thing, all the NDPers are in the House. This is post-question period, so a lot of people do leave. Um, but all the NDPers who are still in the House, along with Karen McPherson with the Alberta Party and David Swan with the Liberals, they got up, they stood up, and they applauded heartily for this. And all the UCPers who were left did not stand up did not applause. Some of them had their arms crossed. Uh, the one exception was Leela here, who was like thumping her desk in support of the bill. But that was that was it. Well, that's interesting. so that's an interesting sign of uh, things. I have to a question come. for you about oh, oh. since I wasn't in the house. Um, did anyone leave before the first vote? Oh yeah, because it's after question period. So they kind of have this thirty seconds. They do some statements and then they um, introduce the bill. So the chamber actually wasn't super wasn't super full. And yesterday we had for two days in a row there were seven ministers missing. They're all down in Calgary at the breaking of the ground of the cancer centre. So we had all these people actually missing from the house, anyways. But the ones who were there. Um, I, I was interested to see the party split. Well, because it's interesting, because I think people sometimes misinterpret. I saw people on Twitter being all shocked and appalled that Derek Fildebrandt and Brian Jean walked out before the vote. But I don't think they understand that. I mean, this is just a vote on first reading. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't. And really, they as soon as QP is done, well, lots of them hightail it. I mean, if they're going to be critical of Brian Jean and Fildebrand, let's point out the Premier wasn't in the room either. So, yeah, you know, so you know, they, stop they, getting your knickers in a knot. So people really don't know. I mean, this, this is this is first reading. This is just sort of putting it on the legislature's agenda, saying, OK, we're going to debate this one. Yeah. Uh, Bill's. I can't even remember a time that a bill hasn't passed first reading. No, it, uh, all, all bills are given assent. Um, it's just a, it's a courtesy. They all give each other. Um, so, yeah, the, the first reading is always unanimous. So it's going to lead to the an interesting session. I guess we'll see where this goes from here. Janet, thank you so much for running us through that bill. Really no worries. It, Thanks for having me. And now we have my colleague down at the ledge, Claire Clancy. How are you? Good, thanks, Emma. First week for me during a legislature yeah. sitting. Very Did you fun. just love it? Yeah, super fun so far. Having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, the full session started on Monday, uh, but this came straight off the back of the United Conservative Party, Alberta's newest party, um, voting in its leader, who was, of course, Jason Kenney. He was elected with 61% of the vote. Two to one over Brian Jean. Mm. He just crushed Brian Jean. Poor Brian Jean. That's what we say, isn't it? It is. And the, the, I mean, the worst. Not. I mean, I'm sure that losing was the worst part for Brian Jean, but also the fact that the um, party posted the results on the website before by they accident, were announced yeah. by accident, and Nathan Cooper's up on the stage trying to do a speech, and the results have already been posted, and then um, people start talking about it, and everyone's like, "Is this true? Is this true?" People started coming over to the media desk. The desks where uh, Graham and I were seated and being like, is this real? I've already posted a story on it and they still haven't announced it. It was really Oh, awkward. that's painful. I know. That's very painful. It was very painful. But um, this isn't a surprise, is it, Graham? No. What we were saying last week, well, I was saying last <laughs> week. Um, yeah, it's going to be Kenny no on the first. No one was betting against you, Graham. Kenny on. on the first ballot because he saw things happening. Kenny seemed to be so confident. His whole team was very confident. And the Brian... Gene team just looked so desperate. They were complaining about a lot of small things, and you could tell going in there that um, it was going to be a blowout for for Kenny, and it, it was. But it has to be such a blow. I mean, this is a guy who came to take on the leadership of that party when no one with gravitas wanted the job. Mm -hmm. uh, saved their bacon because after you know Daniel Smith and the floor crossing, that party was decimated. Nobody thought 
that they would be able to rebuild. And he got them, you know, a respectable showing, uh, you know, made them the official opposition. And, uh, you know, when the Tories were wiped out, the Wild Rose under Brian Jean stayed with its nose above water. Mm -hmm. And he acquitted himself well in the legislature. Three Um, months after his son had died, too, that. You know, and then he had the Fort McMurray wildfire with his own home destroyed. And... You know, he, he's, he's been through hell and back these last three years. And I, I can't imagine what a blow it is having built up that party, mm. having and knowing that you're the most popular politician in the province in every poll, and still your own party turns and stabs you in the back like that. Mm. Politics is a it's nasty, nasty, it nasty, is. nasty sport. And, and then, of course, it was Kenny who comes from federal politics um, out of the blue and uh, does this and uh, knocks over the dominoes one by one becomes a PC leader and then uh, helps unite the uh, the two parties, which mm. Brian Jean really initially did not like. And then... And, 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 and no wonder. I mean, if Brian Jean hadn't... Speaking of it's a trap, we should call this the it's a trap edition. <laughs> if, if, uh, if Brian Jean hadn't agreed to that merger, uh, you know, he'd still be the leader of his... Well, maybe he wouldn't no, still be the leader of his party he today. He would may have been tossed... Because members, enough members, um, were in we're favor, in favor of, of this. Of it, yeah. This is not even really a merger. This is the Jason Kenny building his own party with his own supporters, yeah. basically, and uh, moving it forward. So it's really the Jason Kenny party. And we saw what happens. You mentioned politics being a blood sport mm-hmm. uh, on Monday, Tuesday. They began laying off staff in the UCP um, caucus. Yeah, twenty six staffers. People were who were working with Brian Jean basically are all gone now. Yeah. And I, and that that though wasn't I don't think a huge surprise to a lot of them. Um, Jason Kenney's brought in his and I asked him about this on his first press conference on Monday because uh, we were hearing the rumours that there were people were getting laid off. Anyone who was a Brian Jean supporter, he called that a loaded question. Well, anyway, <laughs> um, but he said, "Look, yeah, I there were people who were critical to my team throughout the unity process, and you know I would like them here and I would like them them around us. So yeah, there were quite a number of people who um." Who were gone. And then when they announced the uh, shadow cabinet, um, Brian Jean's mm. not in the shadow cabinet. Now, apparently, and I, I, I believe this, you know, uh, Kenny wanted um, Jean to be in there because when I show unity, yeah. but Brian Jean said, uh, no, thanks. I don't really want a position right now. And I'll just be focusing on uh, Fort McMurray. And that's what he's doing. So the one person that doesn't have a, a, a portfolio or a job really right now is Brian Jean. And you really do have to feel sorry for him. It's going back to the point before. This isn't a case where two underlings are fighting for the top job. Yeah. Um, Brian Jean was the top mm-hmm. job. He had the, the top job. He was top dog. He was official leader of the official opposition. And then he is elbowed out by Jason Kenney and the hordes that came with him. And now he's sort of just pondering his future. He's still sitting in the front row, though. I mean, I mean Kenny kind of made the point, too, at the like he emphasized that he would have offered Brian Jean any position he yeah. wanted if he kind of put his support behind him. But obviously, Brian Jean at the ledge, like this week, was notably emotional and seemed... Um, definitely on Monday. He ta- he'd chilled yeah, by Tuesday a bit. But I think definitely he, uh, like, you know, he kept repeating to reporters that he just wanted to focus on his own constituency and, and doesn't seem to really have an interest in... You know, outright backing Jason Kenney right now. Mm. I mean, let it be said, uh, Jason Kenney deserves 100% marks for efficiency. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, what he has accomplished is truly extraordinary, and it's a mark of a great political organizer that he managed to 
take over the PC party, kill the PC party, force a, a unity plebiscite, win the unity plebiscite, and then win the leadership of the new party in pretty short order. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, the man's a human steamroller. So, <laughs> so, you know, I don't want to take anything away from the measure of his accomplishment. Uh, and, of course, he also forced uh, Dave – I shouldn't say he forced uh, – he convinced Dave Rodney to <laughs> – No, no, no. Dave Rodney came to him and offered himself up as a, as as a, a human sacrificial lamb. <laughs> yeah, so, so Dave Rodney, uh, former PC uh, MLA from Calgary, most famous for climbing Mount Everest twice because twice, um, he works it into every reference. He, have, I don't know if it's possible to have a conversation with Dave Rodney where he doesn't mention that he climbed Mount Everest oh, twice, but, um, but he'll be stepping aside so that, that Kenny can uh, uh, run in a by-election. But in the meantime, Jason Kenny does not have a seat in the legislature, although everybody's talking about him. He's up in the gods. He's up in the gallery. Oh, he was only uh, there on Monday, and he yeah. hasn't been there. He wasn't there Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, so he's, he's going to be and busy organizing question, and fundraising and, yeah. and Well, also there'll be a by-election coming up, you know, and he's been... As of Wednesday, the clock starts ticking. Notley has six months in which to call a by-election, but mm-hmm. she said her office is saying that they'll do it relatively quickly, and that's what... Um, Jason Kenney is talking about in terms of the parliamentary tradition of uh, letting or helping out, in a sense, leader of the official opposition. They get a seat relatively quickly. We're all assuming here that Kenny's going to win that by-election when it's actually if called in Calgary. If he can do all that other Lougheed. stuff, I'm pretty sure he can win a by-election Absolutely. in Calgary. Lougheed, yeah, so that's going to come relatively quickly, and then he'll be in, in the House actually taking on um, Notley face-to-face. So, yeah, he's managed to do everything he's set out to do, and uh, he's crushed all the opposition. And now he's setting his uh, sights, of course, on, well, the by-election and then, of course, next election. Uh, another uh, another milestone is going to be next May when they have their uh, founding convention. May 456. For the it's UCP. It's already in my calendar. And Rodney, I know, um, even though he said he, it's all an up and up, there was nothing, nothing promised, there was certainly the suggestion he's not done with politics. Yeah. So, in other words, he steps down now. Kenny runs in the by-election. He wins. Then next election... Kenny then moves into his own riding, which is also Joe Cece's riding, and then maybe Rodney comes back in his own riding, wins it, and then maybe pinnacles into cabinet. Climb every mountain. Can I just say, Dave Rodney, when he uh, turned up at the press conference on Sunday and he brought his wife and two kids, and his two kids were wearing matching powder blue suits. And uh, one of them had his hair like perfectly done. The other one just looks like he's all kind of wild. He's wearing the littlest cowboy boots in the world. And it was the cutest thing. I just had to tell everyone because it was adorable. <laughs> now they were very well behaved kids. If I was them, I would have been running riot. But you know, anyway. So, but now that Kenny is in the thick of it, he hasn't had he hasn't had the best of weeks for his for his debut week. I mean, I think his. I mean, talking the hysteria about five-year-olds and gay-straight alliances just looks silly. And then he went down this bizarre rabbit hole, and he just kept digging himself deeper and deeper, talking about how poor he is. It was the it was the most yeah, was odd weird. thing. Like he he started going on and on about how how he had less net worth than the average Albertan, and the only thing he owns is a condo that he paid $380,000 for and he still owes $300,000 on it and he has, you know... He's got that truck. And, and you know, that he hasn't, hasn't had a salary for 13 months. It's just... It's the most weird performance I've ever seen. I mean, this is a man who is making a cabinet minister's salary and, and an MLA salary from the time most people are still paying off their student loans. Am I supposed to be impressed? 
that in all of that time he's never managed to accumulate more than eighty thousand dollars worth of of net worth. I mean, I don't I don't even understand what the gimmick is. I mean, I guess he's trying to make himself look like an everyman, relatable, relatable. I mean. It, how many people in this province raise families and actually buy houses and save money, earning far less than Jason Kenny has has done? It's just it doesn't speak well, I think, for his his reputation as a fiscal manager. I mean, how is it possible that you're like a grown man with an income of like close to two hundred thousand dollars for the last few years, and you got bupkis? Am I am, am I am I supposed to start a telethon? I, Claire, what have you thought of Question Period? You, it, this is kind of, you know, you're new to it here. Of course, we covered the Saskatchewan ledge as well. But what do you think of uh, Alberta Question, question Period? Yeah. Mm. What, was your, what was your overall impression, particularly regards to the whole Jason Kenney thing and how the NDP were bringing that up? Well, this week what's been funny too is that uh, the Speaker has reprimanded the House multiple times kind of for getting overexcited, I guess. That's pretty normal. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they keep bringing up Jason Kenney and they will until he has a seat in the House and can kind of uh, defend himself and his own policies Mm. uh, from the NDP. But um, it's interesting that I guess he'll be representing a riding in which he doesn't live as well. A lot of people do, I think, eh? Do they? I don't know, Graham. Um, No, not normally, but it's, you know, people sometimes will raise it as an issue. To me, it's not that. He's in in Calgary. He's been an MP in Calgary. And uh, the issues there, I think, are bigger, especially him running in this by-election to become leader of the official opposition. I mean, there's a, there's a history for that. I mean, when Don Getty lost his seat in Edmonton, he ran in a by-election in Stetler. Well, he moved to Stetler. Well, I know, but house. that was... <laughs> but the, the thing is, yeah, I think I agree. It's, it's not that big a deal. In, in it's not that big a deal, I don't think. It's, also, the pe- it's up to the people in Calgary Lougheed. If they're that upset about it, they can say, oh, we want someone who lives here. Calgary Lougheed, which has been uh, conservative since the dawn of time. So, yeah. Also, we <laughs> just, sure we just, we just have to that. stop yeah. here, sweetie. Lougheed. 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 You're getting your citizenship soon. I am. Yeah. <laughs> so this what will be a test question. No, I'm just kidding. Lougheed. Um, but I was... <laughs> I, Graham's just looking at me like you're an idiot. No, no. You can say Lougheed. Lo, lo, I'm joking. Peter Lougheed. He's, he's kind of saint here. I was... I, was, lo, lo, I can't even say that. Lougheed. I, I Lougheed. Law. Think, think of law. Law. Lougheed. Law. 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 Lougheed. Lougheed. Okay. I, I, I trust for you leaving all of this in. <laughs> Probably, actually. <laughs> I, I spent last night giving a presentation at the uh, Peter Lougheed Leadership College at the U of A yesterday, and it's kind of like a shrine to Peter Lougheed. All the different rooms are named after different members of the Lougheed family. They have they have his, his university graduation certificates framed and on the wall. It's... Uh, He's kind of a he's a big deal around here. Well, whoops, sorry, <laughs> Peter. I was family. gonna I was gonna add one of the more fun kind of things going on uh, before QP at Inns has been this discussion around wanting, um, yeah, wanting official recognition for the Alberta Party. So leader G- Greg Clark. Um, obviously, we had a floor crossing with Karen McPherson. Um, now there are two MLAs sitting in the Alberta Party in the ledge. So double or nothing, Alberta Party. <laughs> yeah. So I guess now uh, we'll see if they're able to. I get party recognition, which I guess has happened for parties in the past with less than four seats anyway. Well, here's an interesting fact too. There's this idea that you have to have four MLAs, and I thought that that was a thing. turns out it's actually not a thing. I was uh, speaking with the uh, Speaker's Office about the Legislative Assembly Act because, uh, speaking of nerd alert, like Janet said earlier, the only way where it 
place it's mentioned in there is in section 42 when it's about leader salaries, but there's actually no need for a party to have four seats before it gets official party status. That's not in the act anywhere. That's not in the law, legislation, it's not in regulations. Convention. It's just convention. And of course, and for, for Greg Clark, it's more about getting more questions. Um, maybe more money too, I'm not really sure. But for him, it's like we only get you know a question we'd like to as a, as a proper party because the NDP used to get that because they had a kind of arrangement with the PCs years and years ago. So why aren't we getting it as well? Brian Mason, when I asked him, has been like very, very busy, very, very, very busy. We just got, I just got a letter. Like I haven't even had a chance to read it. I think this was on Wednesday. And uh, I don't know, like maybe, yeah, I mean, like I haven't even talked to him. Darren Bills is like, oh, yeah, I had a good chat with Graham Clark about that. And yeah, we'll make a decision really, really, really soon. And it's a vote of the House, um, of course, which means the government can really controls <laughs> yeah. that they have a majority. So it's really up to the government to decide. Mm if, in fact, they get the official party status. But speaking, but speaking of convention and the Alberta Party, um, they're very excited because their convention sold out its space, uh, and now they have to find a larger venue, apparently, for their for their upcoming convention. They say that they've had a big spike in membership since Jason Kenney became leader. The whole Karen McPherson floor crossing thing got kind of steamrolled by everything else that happened this week. But she, so she was a Calgary NDP MLA. She left the caucus and everyone was very, very surprised. I think last month she left the caucus and then she kind of waited a few weeks and she said she talked to constituents and put out like an online poll and that kind of thing. And then... She joined the Alberta Party. Um, so, yeah, she, that kind of came into my inbox um, on Sunday, and then she announced it on Monday. And, and she's sitting there. She has already got up and asked questions of the government. Speaking of asking questions of the government, um, Derek Vildebrand, who is currently sitting in as an independent, he asked his first question. And I wasn't sure what he was going to ask. I thought he might, he's really into finance and that kind of thing. But instead, what he did, he brought up um, a story from his constituency whereby a young man was in a horse accident, fell off his horse, like broke his neck, basically got addicted to painkillers, and then there were no rural resources for this family to get him get him off opioids. So the family paid out of pocket to send him to a treatment facility in Winnipeg because they couldn't find anything in Alberta that was suitable for his needs. And it was a really interesting change of tack for Derek Fildebrand. He doesn't usually bring up things like that in the House because he was always finance critic. Yeah, the thing is, you know, being in a uh, force at a caucus is not always a bad thing because mm. it can raise your, depends the reason, of course. Um, in yeah. the past, we've had people uh, forced out because they were um, trying to hire prostitutes, which is a bad thing, <laughs> as opposed to maybe um, you've made some bad things on Facebook and then you're forced to sit independently, but then there's a, a spotlight on you, and then you can actually show you're asking some decent questions, doing some work on the side, and you actually get a bit more of um, attention than you would if you were just uh, part of a caucus. And Rick, he's, so he's sitting in an independent corner with Rick Fraser, who left the UCP, with um, with Star uh, Starkey, who's still sitting as a PC. That's right. Um, From and his cold, dead hands will you take his <laughs> yes. PC yes. membership. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was funny, the first day, Claire and I were up there, and I... The body language between Fildebrand and Fraser, it looked like they were on a really bad Tinder date. <laughs> they were kind of facing opposite ways. They had their backs <laughs> to each other like on their phones. It was like they both showed up to the bar and went, you are not what I was expecting. <laughs> um, but then I guess I guess I tweeted about how – I didn't tweet that. But um, 
And then I was talking to Fraser very briefly yesterday. He's like, you know what? Actually, we're getting on pretty well with Derek. I, I brought in some um, some Halloween candy from my kids for him. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good guy. And then yeah, so they're all. It seems like they're kind of. It's going to be less frosty there than perhaps it might have been because everyone has to get along, right? Is is Derek Fildebrand's goal now to get to rejoin the UCP? Yes, Kenny. Yeah. Kenny has said that um, once his uh, issues are resolved, and I asked him what what issues are you talking yeah. about, and he specifically said the court case of which he's due on the eighteenth of December, December, I think, yeah. about the uh, hit and run um, of a vehicle. Uh, so he said once he gets this um, court case resolved, then. Derek can come and talk to me and uh, the feeling is basically then Derek Fildebrand will re-enter the United Conservative Party and we asked Derek about that this week and that's indeed his goal so probably he won't be there this session um, but I think in the spring session we'll see Derek Fildebrand Mm -hmm. back in the UCP. Okay let's move on to our regular segment good stuff from the gallery in which we recommend things we've read listened to or seen that we thought you might also like just before we do that though I do want to encourage you all to subscribe because we are pretty much available wherever you find your podcasts, including Stitcher and Google Play and TuneIn Radio and iPhone. iPhones? No, iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> so do subscribe and then you get the latest episodes sent straight to your device because of magical technology. Claire, what do you have for us this week for good stuff? Um, I'll recommend something completely unrelated to politics, but it's a very interesting uh, feature that I read this week that I very much enjoyed in The Atavist, and it's called Prometheus Unbound, and it's the story of a child prodigy whose life is completely derailed um, because of an act of violence, but I won't give away kind of what it's about, but it's a really fascinating uh, story about this young woman who is considered one of kind of the... I, I guess most surprising prodigies um, in America in like maybe the last 50 years. Oh, interesting. Uh, Paula, what do you have? Well, while we've been talking about uh, sex education in Alberta, I heard the most fascinating, beautiful interview on The Current this week with two um, sex educators, uh, one who actually goes into classes and, and teaches, and the other one of whom primarily does a podcast and, and then does some classroom work. Uh, they are both physically disabled, and they talked about how hard it is for them to be viewed as sexual people and how the sex ed that we teach in our schools doesn't speak to anybody who isn't able-bodied. And you know, sometimes you hear interviews like this and you think, oh, this is so earnest, this is uncomfortable, I don't really <laughs> want to listen to this. They were so funny and so articulate mm. and it was such a fascinating interview, and it was one of those days when I, I heard it first on my way to work in the morning, and then I was driving in the evening, and I heard it again on the current review, and it was the only time in recent memory I can think that I listened to the same interview twice <laughs> with, with equal enjoyment. So That's I'm going to suggest that you listen to it at least once. Thank you very much. Uh, I am going to recommend a book that I am currently reading. It is absolutely fantastic. It's called 50 Inventions That Shaped the Modern Economy. It's by Tim Harford. And it's just, uh, it's one of those kind of like bits and pieces of history books, but he goes back through some of the big inventions and how the surprising ways that they completely and utterly changed our world. Um, Talks about the Luddites and uh, computers and paper money and all kinds of stuff. It's really easy to digestible chunks and I'm enjoying it immensely. 
I'm also going to recommend that you all go and check out the Pop Sugar 2018 Reading Challenge, which is online now. It just went online yesterday. I've been doing that thing for a few years, obviously not 2018 one. I do the fresh one each year, and it's fantastic. It broadens what you're reading. It's stuff like, you know, read a book with an LGBTQ protagonist, read a book um, written by someone a different ethnicity from you, read a book with a cat on the cover. It's it's great, and it really... Um, yeah, if, you, if you're stuck in a rut in terms of what you read, it's fantastic and I highly recommend it. Graham, hmm. are you going to recommend Firestorm again? It's a really good <laughs> book by Edward Struzik <laughs> about the problem with wildfires oh, getting worse stop it. in what a warming you re- climate. What do you we know what he's going to recommend because Emma and I both wanted to recommend <laughs> it and Graham stole it from us. He was first to claim it. <laughs> well, the Thompsons sticking together. This, of course, is an article that um, Stuart Thompson, our former colleague, uh, not my son. People keep thinking he's my son. He worked here. They're he's both a, Scottish. They're both he, Thompsons. With the he's same he's a good-looking guy. He's smart. I understand <laughs> why you would think that. But it's a look inside the mind of Jason Kenney. Shows us where Canadian conservatives are headed. And it's a really well-done piece, just looking at Jason Kenney as um, not just what's happening here, but also maybe it's a launching pad for, for the conservatives to make a comeback across the country. So uh, it's really well done, well researched, and interestingly written. Mm-hmm. We miss you, Tomo. Hi, Tomo. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining me. Claire, Paula, Graham, Janet French, of course, our education reporter, and Sean Butts, who was here filming some of this to put it online at edmontonjournal.com, where you can find all the previous episodes of the Press Gallery. You can also subscribe, as I mentioned earlier, pretty much anywhere you find your podcasts. Join us this time again next week on the Press Gallery.